0: Welcome to another episode of Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And here we are, Sermon on the Mount, again, dealing with... Yeah, we're dealing with anger this time. So
1: this is great, getting in Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, he's just first sermon really getting out there in public. And listen to these couple verses. This is Matthew 5, 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery
0: hell. What translation is that?
1: That is the CEB, the Common English Bible.
0: Do you have the app open? Yes. What's the message say? Just pure curiosity because I know the message kind of... uh simplifies it more into today's turn because in there when you're like you're an idiot
1: (laughs) (laughs) the message Mm -hmm. um 21 and 22 you're familiar with the command to the ancients do not murder i'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder carelessly call a brother idiot and you might find yourself hauled into court thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you're on the brink of hellfire The simple
0: moral fact is that words kill. I am on the brink of hellfire. (laughs) (laughs) Teetering on the edge. (laughs) Wow, that's like my uh, second favorite word sometimes. Uh, Stupid. Oh, yeah. I was like teetering, hellfire. (laughs) No, no, the, the stupid one. Wow. All right, so the Sermon on the Mount. When I looked at all this, because like uh, every time I kind of want to remember, this is what we're talking about. Jesus up there, he is uh, preaching to the people, to the disciples and to the crowd, and they are there surrounding him. I think it was the first episode, the Beatitudes, where you brought it back to like the parallel between uh, Moses and the Ten Commandments. Yes. And as we get into it and we're going to progressively move forward into it, like the Sermon on the Mount is more difficult than the Ten Commandments to follow, to, to put it and apply it in our lives because... Here, it's the simple, like, if you just think it, if you just, or if you call someone stupid, you're on the brink of hell. Where, like, I don't think that was part of the Ten Commandments. They're like, if we just call someone stupid, we're we're in trouble.
1: So, yeah, it's definitely Matthew coming in, very Jewish book, and setting it up as Jesus as the new Moses. So, he's going, hey, you've heard it said to the ancients, speaking of Moses, Mm -hmm. you know, calling out the Ten Commandments. I wonder if it's more difficult or if it's just a different perspective that sets us on a different path, right? If all that you're ever told here in America, right, we have a law, don't murder, which very thankful for that law, but we don't have the the law of, A, don't become angry with your fellow citizens. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, as we're growing up, it's just like, oh, I get in trouble with the law if I murder. They don't really care if I'm calling everyone an idiot, which welcome to 2020 in America, (laughs) Right. but if we grow up with that perspective which is how we should be raising our kids right that hey the the world might tell you don't murder that's good but god wants you to have that purity of heart that you're in that loving mode towards people i think that it's not as difficult it just you need to start with the right perspective and the the further away that you get the bigger of a jump that it is if that
0: makes sense i guess it like the way i kind of take of it too is like sin it comes from the attitudes of the heart like so this is a heart thing, not so much of a external do this, do that kind of actions, but more of like what Jesus is really coming at with everything is take an internal look at where your heart is. Because like you were saying, prospectively, if prospectively my heart is already like, man, there's a bunch of idiots in the world, then I'm very easily to say that, yeah, there's a bunch of idiots in the world. So it is a really... It's a harsh thing, actually. I think th- we always talked about the the radicalness of what Jesus is doing here, the changing, the flipping the script of mm-hmm. what's happening. And now he's dealing with, it's going beyond a, a thought, and it's going into like our heart. And here is anger, 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 anger the the fun one.
1: And even looking at that, the posture of your heart, right, and how you're looking, because I would say probably truthfully, there are a lot of idiots in the world. <laughs> like I think that some <laughs> of that is just a fact. You're but- church
0: friends. Thinking everyone's an idiot. Yeah.
1: Not everyone, just a lot of them. No.
0: Um, people are going to listen to us and go, and there's two right there. Um, the two biggest ones talking.
1: Yeah. But what is our, the posture of our heart towards people, right? Because mm-hmm. are like, man, that person is very ignorant, or they are doing things in a very wrong way, in a very hurtful way, or whatever that is. Yeah, we can see that. It's like, that is a fool, so to speak. But how do I feel towards that person? And do I have the anger, right? And that's what you're bringing up—the right. anger that's causing you to yell out, "You idiot! You're stupid!" And just from a point of rage, even you know the anger aspect.
0: So I guess if we're gonna deal with anger, let's define what is anger. And I mean, as an emotionally stunted man, <laughs>
1: I'm glad that you <laughs> that you came define like with some definitions because. It it is a weird thing when you go here's an emotion what is that emotion it's kind of hard to start to define well you know anger it makes me feel this way right and this is kind of what can trigger it and here's kind of the results of it but what did you come up with as far as what's anger
0: so i got it uh is commonly defined as a strong feeling like you're saying of annoyance displeasure or hostility so kind of right there out the bat just an annoying feeling in it and of hostility annoyance um I really, for me, I guess what triggers my anger more is annoyance or displeasure, like hostility isn't something where I kind of fall into, but I I know that that's there. Um, And then I have also this medically, we are told that anger is a natural response to a perceived threat against our well-being or position. The response causes our body to release adrenaline, uh, muscles to tighten, and the heart rate and the blood pressure to increase.
1: I think that for me, it might be more those two is that one is the annoyance annoyance like mm-hmm. that can get me angry but then two is the threat like i don't think that i just become hostile or that i'm a hostile person but when something threatens what was it that it was saying when what gets threatened our well-being or position well-being or position right if something's threatening something that especially that i'm clinging to or desiring or that i have it's just like
0: oh yeah that will that will get me angry yeah i kind of fall into that one too i'll share a story about uh what's angered me lately you know it really grinds my gears. <laughs> well, grind, five five minutes of grinding my gears with Chris. Um, so we're, we grow vegetables in the backyard, <clears throat> and we've we started with uh, we started planting tomatoes by seed this year. We didn't buy the plant and put it in there, and or not tomatoes, watermelons, and they were growing out just so beautiful. We had these like beautiful watermelons starting to grow. They weren't full size yet, but they were growing. Maybe like seven or eight of them, and then we have this little underground buddy called a gopher who just slowly started coming up in the watermelons and chopping off vines and chopping off vines. And that was fine. None of those vines were producing fruit. Then he started gnawing on the watermelons. And it's just, there's nothing. I couldn't catch this one. Like, I couldn't be out there when he was digging. I set up traps for him. Wasn't wasn't having anything to do with it. Finally, I just got so frustrated. I took out all the watermelons. Like, we uprooted them. I totally thought you were going to say, finally got frustrated, dynamite. That's almost there, but (laughs) I, I... We have other plants, so I don't want to damage those. So I took out all the watermelons. We replanted them, and we lost all that kind of harvest. Now this sucker has moved into my cantaloupes, and we're fighting with him. And today, just today, he came out. We put plastic sheets underneath to, like, the vine so he couldn't get to them. Um, And he came out, and I was there, and I hit that mole or gopher mound so hard, and he's gone. I didn't catch him. But the anger, right, because he's threatening my watermelons like this is legit like Caddyshack shack anger where i'm close to like dynamiting i, I even told justine when i went to the house last night i'm like we're ripping out everything like all the the, the cantaloupe tomatoes zucchini cucumbers everything's coming out because we have a plan to deal with him. For next harvest, but this year we can't do any of that plan because it caused it's we have to dig underneath and we're gonna lay some protective stuff underneath the soil. But I came in and I was like, Everything's gotta go. This is it. We're digging everything out. And that was like legit anger. I I know it sounds stupid, but like, yeah, my blood was boiling. I was I was hot. I was frustrated about it.
1: I really think that that brings in a couple of things Though you said that you have a well thought out plan for how to deal with the thing that angers you, right? But you're looking at, I can't put that into motion yet. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's currently got you and where I feel like anger really gets us is it gives us such a tunnel vision to basically destroy the thing that angers me, right? I'll rip out my whole garden. I love my garden. He's not even going after that stuff yet. Mm-hmm. He's literally went for the watermelons and now the cantaloupe and like I'm trying to do it, but I will rip out everything just to get you like, yeah, right. Just out of spite, just out of whatever. Like I will get rid of the things that bring me joy just as long as I can get you. And man, that really is a, a thing of anger. And I think that I can, when I look historically through my life and I see where anger and, you know, different things that come up with that and jealousy and, you know, where that drives you to go mm-hmm. is A lot of that tunnel vision of just of i i I want to destroy the thing that angers me where i think really jesus is bringing that in here right he's saying hey you've heard it said do not murder don't destroy another human being i'm telling you you don't have the anger so he's really bringing it to
0: what is causing you to want to destroy that person looking at the instead of the vine the root right i guess the so the next logical question then because is anger sin right like where's the at what point does my anger then start becoming a sin? And I liked what you talked about, like the the moment that we go on the hunt to destroy. And yeah, that's where it's at. Like I will destroy my garden to destroy the gopher. Or to just eradicate it and get it out of its way. Um, but the the, the action, I think the follow up, because the Bible's clear, like there's like there's righteous anger, which we'll get into in a second, and then there's anger and isn't there the verse that like, don't let your anger cause you to sin? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a point where anger seems to be an okay thing for us. But then there's a point where anger becomes a sin. So I'm going to leave that up to you because I think you probably have a better answer than I do. As far as
1: where to draw the line? Yeah. That's such a hard thing because when you bring up righteous anger, I mean, here we are, middle of 2020, there is so much things to have a righteous anger about. And rightfully so, there is so much injustice and corruption and everything else, prejudices going on in our world that as Christians, as people who should be walking by love and having the eyes of God to look at our fellow brothers and sisters, right? We're all children of God and we should all be part of that unity and that love and that compassion that when there are things that are destroying it, when there is evil and wicked and we're seeing that play out right in front of us with real lives like it's not a movie yeah, we should be angry about those things. We shouldn't let it settle just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's just what the world is. Mm -hmm. And you can't do anything about it or whatever. Like, no, that's not the role of the church. That's not the role of Christians. We should be angry and it should drive us to do something about it, to stop it. And again, not that the people are our enemy, right? Our enemies aren't flesh and blood, but it's these ideas and the spiritually dark forces that drive these things, right? Right. But we also see that, in a world that's kind of trying to disown God or kick God out of how we handle situations is that you can look at something that we should be righteously angry about and it just turns into the wrong kind of anger. Hmm. Right? That basically turns into there's two camps. We're not trying to bring everybody into the middle where things are right. It's, oh, you came over here and attacked me? I'm going to go over there and attack you. Yeah. And we miss like what the goal is. And what is that line? Where does it cross? I don't know. There's so many different factors. I mean, rationality goes out of the window. (laughs) I really do think that it comes down to that hatred for the person. Yeah, Anger leading to hatred or where you're not seeking to regain a brother, you're looking to
0: hurt an enemy. I had written down on my notes right here that one of the obvious signs anger has turned to sin is instead of attacking the problem, we're attacking the wrongdoer.
1: Why did you let me talk for so long? If you have it so concise,
0: <laughs> because I want to hear what you had, and it, and it reminded me of my note there. Like once you said that, I was like, oh, that's right here in my notes, and it's right there, perfectly spelled out for us. That like, um, that's one of the ways that anger becomes a sin is that we're no longer looking at the problem, that the problem in general. Because like when Jesus overturned the in the temple when he flipped everything over, right? That that was an anger inside of Jesus. He saw how God's temple was being treated. And what people were doing and the corruption and the motivation behind people to, like, uh, make a profit off of God. And that angered him and he overturned everything. But that that was not an attack against the people. It was an attack against the action of what they were doing, the problem. Like, he didn't go out there and start, like, beating up people or anything or, like.
1: Well, I mean, he did kind of make those whips. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody kind of got their, their butt hit a couple times with that, but. Uh, I think he, he was driving out cattle, maybe. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll
0: stay yeah, he was that. hitting the Jesus cattle out, so that way they would leave. But it was still the like he was attacking the problem. And right. I think we, as people, there's definitely a line that we that we teeter on when we start attacking each other. Then we're no longer focused on the problem. We're focused on each other. Um, there are a few other things that like it can be con- sinful when it's motivated by my pride, um, when it's unproductive and distorts God's purposes. It's it becomes sinful. When I allow the anger to linger longer than it should. Mm. Um, and then it, when it's directly opposed to the spirit of love. And yeah. I, I think you touched on all of those when you were talking. And it's, I think it's important for everyone to understand, like, pride will cause me to be angry about that someone. Because that original definition, when it's attacking your position, like if someone is coming after my job or my title, so quickly we become angry. I even think about it as being a parent. Um, when my kids don't listen do i take that personally to where like i get angry because they're not respecting me as dad my title is not being respected or do i go to correct them and correct the action instead of what's going on you know um so we do that stuff and and then when it's unproductive it it just distorts all of God's purposes like when we look at why people get angry if there's if it's twisting what God wants us to do then yeah, we're no longer in righteous anger. We're sinning.
1: Yeah, I like that breakdown of those things and the pride. Again, maybe maybe that just speaks to me more because of that's how anger you know, applies to me. I think that whoever's hearing this or just whether or not they hear this or not, the way that we deal with anger is different. You just have those people that do pop off and start yelling or start throwing fists or doing different things. And I really think it's different. Whereas me, you, I don't think anybody, I want to say probably at all has ever heard me yell out of anger like i just Mm-mm. don't think anybody's ever heard me yell but that's just because that's not how i deal with my anger you know what i mean i still get angry and it's probably more dangerous because whoever i will pop off on gets that whole stack that's <laughs> that i've been you know bearing right. down or if i just keep letting it fester then that's what he said like you're letting the anger remain there for longer than it should so that's a thing with me when I'm looking at dealing with the anger, just like, well, what's the proper outlet? What is the proper outlet to God gave us these emotions? We have anger, something they can respond to. So, what's the proper outlet to deal with the thing? And I think that we'll get into that in the second half a bit as far as uh, dealing, dealing with others in our life and how anger can come in and kind of those relational things.
0: Yeah. So, in here, I have like two my notes. The two Greek words in the New Testament are translated. As anger, one means passion and energy, and the other means agitated, boiling. And uh, biblically, anger is God-given energy that's intended to help us solve our problems. Mm. Examples of that are Jesus, when, like we said, and we can look at that a little more in a second. But the big point about what Jesus did is that in my notes right here, it says it notices that his anger didn't involve self-defense, but a defense of others or a principle. And I think that's a good way to where we could start really separating because this has to be an internal question because this is what God, what Jesus is bringing here to us, right? Uh, but I tell you, anyone who is angry at his brother, like you got to start looking internally. I have to internally look at myself and say, what kind of anger is this? Is there an anger that is a passion energy or is this an anger that's agitated and boiling and, and go from there? And we've kind of touched on it uh, already and I think so with the few minutes we have with the last half of the segment. Kind of like the righteous anger now. like So now that we know the sin side of anger, what's, what's more the righteous side of it? And I think we have touched on it uh, briefly with Jesus, but um, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I really think that the righteous side is where we pick up a defense of what is right. You know, we are angry because the right thing, it's rather than uh, me and my position being attacked. It's more like, oh, the right thing is being attacked, you know? Those who are marginalized in society normally get really prejudiced against and no love and no support and no anything. It's like, we forget that those are human beings.
0: I look at it and I I think of like what Jesus had. Um, I had like, I got like five or six points with it. And I don't want to get into like a preaching type thing with this. uh, So I'm just going to list them off. Going back to like when he overturned the, the tables or even when he kind of like came at the Pharisees is that his anger had the proper motive. So there was the proper motivation behind it. His anger had the proper focus. His anger had the proper supplement. His anger had the proper control. His anger had the proper duration. And his anger had the proper result. And in looking at all that, like that's, I think that's the checklist for us. When we're looking at, if is my anger righteous? Is there the right motive? First question out the gate, is my motive right with my anger? Am I using the right control? Is it, lasting as long as it should like if someone's apologized and we've like said you know there's like let's say something happens where it boils up like if the gopher came out of the hole and said hey sorry i didn't mean to eat your your watermelon or cantaloupe i thought it was for me to eat but i'm sorry and i'm like okay and then whack him then and get rid of him and take him out then like that's not the proper duration or if i'm constantly still attacking him And I know it's a stupid analogy, but it works. If I'm still attacking him, even after the apology has happened, it's no longer run its proper duration. And then it has the proper results. And I like what you kind of said, the proper result is reconciliation. And that's what Jesus is getting here. And what he gets to us in the next half is that the anger should bring us together. If it's righteous and it's proper, it should bring people together and not separate us. We shouldn't let our anger divide us in the sense of, I don't like you because you wronged me. But I should allow my anger to bring us closer together because now I have to look at why am I angry, take an internal check, and then take it to you and say, hey, I felt this offense and have the conversation instead of having the attack.
1: Yeah, I think really looking at that is is what's the motive and what's the goal and what's the process of going from that motive to that goal? Um, yeah, are we loving other people? Is it an act of love and is it going to bring glory to God? Because if we are Christians and we're saying, oh, well, we're angry that this thing exists in the world and we go about that, like the ends don't justify the means. You need to be loving the whole way through. And you can say a hard thing, right? You can say something that's truthful in love. You can rebuke something. You can say that something's wrong without hating it. And I think that the world that we live in right now confuses that. Right? They think that, oh, if you hold a different opinion, you hate. Mm -hmm. like no that's not anything being said right Just like if somebody's against abortions they don't hate the person who got the abortion they're just looking at hey i believe that that's a child and i really am not comfortable and i'm gonna stand up and say something if i think that a child is being killed it's just like i'm not coming to attack you as a woman i'm just trying to prevent something horrible from happening i'm not hating a woman that's doing that you know but it seems to be that if a christian stands up and says i'm against abortion then automatically it's, well, you're a hateful person. You're saying all of these things. Like, no, that's not anything that God said. You can apply that across the board with all kinds of social issues and different things. We need to be able to say things. But I think that as Christians especially, the thing that we say and the thing that we do all the way through needs to bring glory to God and be what's loving. The person on the other end of it, however they want to interpret that, is no control there. But we need to control our side.
0: I think the to like wrap up this part, the, the part that we really need to, as Christians, watch ourselves with is where Jesus says, but anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. And to really, really check ourselves because again, this, this message on the Sermon on the Mount isn't a, a like, hey, everyone love, 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 happy, love, love, love. Jesus is coming at us because he's really trying to check us on who we are internally. And we have to watch ourselves because if as a Christian, if I come at someone and say uh, the message translation, you're stupid. And it's it's such a really stupid is a spiteful word. And it's so harsh. And, you know, I don't like that I use it, but it is the term that comes out of my mouth more frequently than not. As someone cuts me off on the freeway because it's an anger issue. It's an anger word that's coming from my heart out of my mouth. And what Jesus is saying to me is, hey, Chris, you really got to start checking yourself. Because you're going around telling people that you love me, but your words are now saying the exact opposite of that you love me.
1: Yeah, I know we're wrapping up the spark, but I think that even within that, the anger, we want to associate the person again, mm-hmm. like you are stupid, and then the person is the problem again. And we've been saying this, but rather than, hey, you know what, you just did a stupid thing. And then we're both on the side of trying to eradicate people doing stupid things. Right. You know what I mean? I yeah. do tons of stupid stuff. And if somebody comes at me just angry, calling me names and doing stuff, was like, I'm not going to respond to that. I'm going to get defensive because Lord knows there's so many things I'm going to point right back at you. you yeah. Because I mean? that's what defensiveness does. But when we're coming in love and trying to bring the reconciliation and things, it's like, hey, you know what I noticed? You've been doing this. And here's some reasons that might not be the best thing. Here's what that actually did to me and what it's doing to other people. How do you think like we can go about that? I think that that's a good way of moving into the next.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll share this last story and yeah. then we'll do it. Me and you got into kind of like a disagreement a Never. few weeks, a few, maybe like a month ago now texting and I'm not going to talk about what the disagreement was, but uh, you had, you had thrown a couple of Bible verses at me and that internally triggered uh attack at my position of knowledge. And then I, I attacked back with words because I was attacked by position. And then the the conversation kind of like escalated a little more. And then at one point, I, I had to just be like, oh, no, I realized what just happened. And I had to pray about it. And then I text you like, hey, I just prayed about this and I don't feel right anymore and I need to apologize. And then you text back, you're right. I'm sorry, too. And then everything was cool. And I think it was at that moment where we could have, in our anger, kept that escalating. And then your church friends would have been like two episodes in and done. <laughs> um, but we we looked at the issue instead of each other at that moment and went to resolve that instead. And I think that's the proper way we need to handle things. And it's okay if we sometimes fly off the handle and say something that's harsh, but we have to be big enough and we'll get into that in the next segment to say, I'm sorry and own up to what we've done to hurt other people in our anger. Um, but I, we do have a commercial. It's for the anger emporium. Um, that's going to help a lot of people deal with their anger. So listen to that and have fun.
2: down to the anger emporium where you can deal with all that pent-up anger from your day get it out we have tons of rooms to meet all your specific needs you the type of person that just has to throw something when your blood is boiling then try out our fine china room where you can smash plates bowls cups until all the rage is gone maybe throwing things isn't how you deal with that temper and you just need to smash something then try out our junkyard room where you can take a sledgehammer to a car and release the beast within. And for the music lovers, you must try the Rockstar Room, where you can bash that guitar, flip a keyboard, kick the butt out of a drum set, find your peace as you crush a plethora of musical instruments. But wait, that's not all. Here are some newly added rooms. The Scream Room. YOW to your heart's content. The ass to talk to a manager room. Give that manager a piece of your mind. The Italian stallion room. Get that inner Rocky on and tear up a side of beef. The home demolition room. Smash walls. Smash toilets. Smash showers. Whatever you want. The fruit cocktail room. No fruit is safe from your wrath. The anger emporium. We're currently located by the I-5, 101, 233, 15, and 405 highway, and adjacent to the beef gristle mill. So come down and release that unrighteous anger and leave holy. It's the Anger Emporium. Anger Emporium. Anger Emporium. Come down today. Thing, just watching some videos on YouTube. That's cool. What are you watching? Our
0: dads on their YouTube channel. Our dads have a YouTube channel? Yes, they do. They also have a Facebook group page and an Instagram account. Wow, really? What else do they have? They also have a Teespring account where they sell t-shirts. Where can I find this information? All the links can be found in the descriptions below. That's so awesome. What's the name of the channel again? It's Your Church Friends. Get out of here, Reed! And now-
1: Alright, so we are back, and that was the Anger Emporium. Uh, I'm pretty sure I could deal with a couple sessions over there.
0: What would be the room you went to?
1: Um, Honestly, probably just going and smashing stuff. I've had a history of going and taking cinder blocks with a sledgehammer and doing that, or taking an axe to a tree and just kind of chopping away. I think that because I'm not the type to yell, just physically exerting the anger and allowing it to release is probably a way for me to go. How about you?
0: Uh, I would probably go talk to someone's manager. I think because of my years working in customer service, there have been plenty of times I want to give uh, some vendors a piece of my mind, but couldn't. And I, th- I think that would be where I would go. Yeah,
1: go in. <laughs> Are you allowed to give the person the name? Say, "All right, this is your name." Yeah, for yeah, this, yeah that'd I be great, wouldn't it?
0: Like, here's your specific name, and I need to yell at you. <laughs>
1: and here is where you work. <laughs> right. <laughs> All
0: right, let's continue on then with the the next few verses. Uh, you want to read those?
1: Sure, so here we go back in the CEB translation and Jesus picking up saying, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First, make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Be sure to make friends quickly with your opponents while you are with them on the way to court. Otherwise, they will haul you before the judge. The judge will turn you over to the officer of the court and you will be thrown into prison. I say to you in all seriousness that you won't get out of there until you've paid the very last penny. What do you think about that?
0: I think God telling you guys or Jesus is like, you got to deal with your anger problems. Yeah. The great philosopher Yoda said one time, fear is the path of the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering.
1: And it really does. Yeah. And... Anger and and leading to suffering like that, especially what he's talking about here in that first little section, is that the suffering that comes from us holding on to anger when it comes to interpersonal things is the thing of, oh, bitterness, that's the poison that you drink trying to hurt somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's just you are holding on to that, thinking that it's affecting that person. And it is in a way because you don't have that proper relationship with them, but most often they're off living their own life.
0: And I really like that analogy that bitterness is the poison that we're drinking. Um, because when we look at like what anger is doing to us it is bitterness is kind of that thing that it's hurting me more than it's hurting anyone else like I am being hurt internally because of my bitterness holding on to that grudge holding on to that resentment holding on to that hate and as funny as it is to quote Yoda there's so much truth behind that because all your anger does is lead to one thing to another thing to another thing to where eventually it's destroying you
1: and that one thing to another thing um... Here in verse 23, again, if you're bringing your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go first make things right with them and then come back, right? So it's not a thing of, oh, I'm angry with this person and God is saying, go and make that thing right. It's full on God saying, hey, you're coming to offer something to me. I don't want that thing. If you remember, if there's someone who has something against you, right? Mm -hmm. If they have something against you. So we need to really look at our relationships and look at, is anything not right? Is anybody angry with me? Why? It doesn't matter really why. Well, they're right. I'm right. Whoever's right. It's no, they have something against you. Go and make it right.
0: And even the idea that Jesus is like saying, how can you call yourself a follower of God? And this is even before the terms of like the follower of Jesus, right? How can you call yourself a Christian or a person who says they have a relationship with God, if you're holding on to something like your gift, you can't present something to God if you're holding on to something internally. And when I look at that for myself, I can't call myself a Christian. I can't go out there and say like, I believe in God and his love when there's anger brewing in my heart towards another believer or another person, because then I'm not practicing in his love. I'm not walking in the love he's commanded us to walk in. And anything I do at that point, does God count it as righteousness or obedience or a sacrifice, you know, or a gift? Anything that I'm saying, well, I'm doing all this good stuff for you, God, on this end. But he's like, yeah, but you're holding bitterness in your heart towards your brother. Like, get yourself together, man. Go go fix that before you think you can fix anything else.
1: I definitely think there's a, hey, do something with this command. Mm -hmm. And maybe not that the other stuff doesn't count. But it's also, hello, pay attention to this thing. But you're talking about holding on to the bitterness, right? Somebody might have something against you and you're not holding on to bitterness. Somebody might just have something against you. And I think that the thing to kind of frame it in this way is, is there anybody that you are aware of that could say of you, oh, that person is bad for X, Y, Z reason. And they never came to me to try and make things right. Like we shouldn't leave anybody in a situation where we haven't tried to reconcile the situation. I might not have bitterness about it. I might have just realized, oh, you're off in your own world doing and thinking whatever you want to think. I'm just going to let bygones be bygones. I'm just going to say, hey, you know what? Go ahead. Think what you want to think. I'm over here living my life. You really have no effect on me anymore. No ill feelings. Like whatever happens, happens. But go ahead and do that. But Jesus is saying, no, go and try to reconcile. Mm -hmm. There shouldn't be anybody that can say, hey, there was a wrong done and that person never tried to make it right.
0: I think for me with anger, what what made this all a little bit harder is because I know personally it's something I deal with, and I've seen what it's done to like myself and uh, people that I love, like the destruction that anger brings, how it hurts other people, how it hurts myself. And right here, what Jesus is just like mapping out for us, like take therefore if you're offering something, leave it there, um, reconcile with people, settle the matter quickly. What he's saying is. You've got to move on beyond that because this will hold you back. This will hold you down from where you're at and where I need you to be. And so as a person who like, yeah, I get hot and I get hot quick. And sometimes it's the dumbest things that make me get frustrated. And I really find like most of the time it's someone attacked me personally and said things about me that weren't true. I find it way easier to kind of brush that under the rug. I don't know why. But kind of what we talked about earlier, someone attacks my family, someone attacks my property like most of the time when I call someone dumb while I'm driving it's because I have my kids in the car and if someone cuts me off or they put me in a position where I have to make a crazy move and endanger my family my wife or my children then I'm I'm angry at them because they almost took something away from me but in here Jesus is saying like you can't hold on to that stuff like holding on to anger is just so bad for your health it's so bad for who you are refusing to be pacified holding on to the grudge keeping that all inside that's why he's saying if at some point you realize this go get it out you don't need that in your life go take care of it reconcile and i don't know if we said it here on one of the youtube things but i remember we had the conversation conversation about reconciliation being one of the like most god-given characteristics that we had because what jesus did was come here to reconcile us back to god and there's an importance that we can't let our anger divide us We have to do something to reconcile with each other.
1: Again, I realize that as you're talking and I'm in agreement and I'm nodding and nobody can see the nodding. But yeah, that's spot on. That's as far as bringing things to the altar, right? I'm trying Mm -hmm. to come before God and I'm trying to give him. And as far as a Christian sense, we don't go and bring bulls and goats and and birds. You don't? You've been doing that? (laughs) Is that why you have chickens?
0: That's why we have the chicken sacrifices. Yeah. No. Well, a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, just one. Just one. The egg eater.
1: Yeah. But, you know, as far as that, and New Testament speaking is that we are to present our lives as a sacrifice. Yeah. So on the daily, when we wake up and we're coming to God saying, I am giving you my life for today to do with what as you please, I'm offering myself up. If in the morning when we do that and we're trying to make that offering, and He goes, okay, but what about that person that has something against you? He's saying, before you think about giving me your day for all of these great things you're going to do, go talk to that person. And the thing about today is, man, if you don't have their number, you can pretty much Google anybody that you want. And their number is going to pop up. It's just like you can make the effort to contact that person. Here's
0: stalker advice. Google is your best friend. <laughs>
1: Uh, maybe me eat my words
0: yeah no here's what i'm thinking and because just the way we're talking about it and presenting because this is a serious issue and we looked at like jesus said i i came here to everything was first the beatitudes blessed are this you are you know you'll get inherit the kingdom be salt be light you know hey people be good um i'm here to fulfill the law not destroy it seriousness you've got to deal with anger so I, I kind of want to take this out there and say if anyone's listening to this right now at this moment and there's someone you're angry with or you're holding a grudge to or there's bitterness still in your heart, turn off our podcast, shut this down, and go make reconciliation with them. Because it, as much as you think that other person is like still there stewing or like saying they got you and they won, their life has moved forward while yours has been stuck where it's at and not progressed at all.
1: And the thing is, they might not want the reconciliation Like, there's a whole spectrum Mm -hmm. of things that it can go. It can go really well, and then you regain that friend or, you know, that family member or whatever, and it can really bring something back to that point. It can come to a point of, hey, you know what? I'm glad that we had this conversation. We really can just forgive and, like, move on, and then you never really hear from them again, but that thing happened. Or they might just go, no, you hurt me so bad, or I don't want to hear your excuses or whatever, but at least you walked in the obedience. And it can't be dependent on what the other person did. And especially when you go through that, if the other person responds negatively, you can't walk away from it again. Then you're holding on to the bitterness because, oh, God, I tried to do the thing that you told me to do. And like, because like, that's not what it's about.
0: Right. And it's really it's for yourself. I think that's what a lot of people miss what they don't understand when it comes to, like, getting rid of your anger or forgiving, forgiving someone. It it's a lot to do with helping you. Like, it's a tool to help yourself move past the situation Jesus says, uh, let's switch yokes. My yoke is light, yours is heavy. And the in that, that's give me all of these things that you're holding on to, hurts, hang ups, hiccups, whatever you want to call them. But bitterness is definitely within there. And this anger issue, like we talked about earlier, it's not a um it's not a branch. It is the root of uh, that's that grows a tree in your life that branches out everywhere. We have this tree in the backyard. A few years ago and it was it was a cool tree but every october november it it, all the leaves just died and it just looked like a spooky tree in the backyard but someone came and told us like hey this tree is cool you need to get it out though these roots they just spread everywhere underneath the ground and they will damage your pipes they will destroy property they will come up and destroy concrete like they they're it's not a good tree to have in your front in your backyard And a lot of times we think about like getting rid of things because we could see the external branches and what it's doing in our life. And sometimes those branches maybe cover us and we think we're protected by them. But the reality is Jesus is saying we got to get rid of the root because that root is what's really causing damage because it's growing internally. And you don't know what it's spreading into in your life.
1: And how are you saying even protected by them? You know what? Anger in the way that you deal with it? coping mechanisms mm-hmm. and coping mechanisms up until this point it might have served you a purpose at a time it might have been a protective thing that you were dealing with people and the way that it you were able to survive and to get through was how you dealt that way with anger but like you're saying hey it might look like it's protecting in a sense but what it's doing under the surface and it's just going in there and breaking all the pipes and just raw sewage is just leaking yes. into your soul right yeah that's a really good point i
0: like that you brought that up too because personally i always used my anger as um as a drive like my chip on my sh- my shoulder almost like i'll prove you wrong if someone kind of said something negative against me then i got angry and then i put it there and I, the little voice that kept saying prove them wrong prove them wrong for many years that was like my thing that where if someone got me angry it became the chip on my shoulder to to show them the opposite and i used it as a coping mechanism and as a tool But really what it did was allow the root to grow deep in my life. So, yeah, it really can do a lot of bad stuff.
1: So I do want to move a bit into the other part where it's saying, be sure to make friends with your opponents while you're on your way with them on the way to court. Otherwise, they'll haul you before the judge. The judge will turn you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. I say to you in all seriousness that you won't get out of there until you pay the very last penny. Now, there's something there. Culturally, going back and the Jews, were living... Under Roman rule and the way that they were getting dragged into court and everything else during that time, this is really actual practical knowledge that was going on there just based on the oppressiveness that was happening there and it was going to apply to Christians as things went on as Christians were even more, can't think of the word, prejudiced against um Oppressed and everything, than even the Jewish people were, and that just happened for hundreds of years. So, really practical, what's going on in your life type of thing. Hey, if somebody's got something against you, I'm telling you this in all seriousness do everything you can to make that right before you get to the prison. Mm-hmm. But, and not to take away from that, but I also, as we've been talking about relationships with people, I really take that, and I also see this when I'm looking at my relationship with God, like He mm. is the judge. And I have not only broken his law, but I've broken his heart. I have given him every right to be angry with me, right? Because for all kinds of reasons, I made myself an enemy to him. Like, oh, you want me to love people? I'm going to actually treat them this way. Oh, you want me to take care of people? No, I'm doing this. Oh, you want me to like find you and have a close relationship with you and give you the, the worship and the honor and everything you do? No, I'm going to mock you and like tell people that you don't exist and come against like your church and everything, right? And it's just all of those ways that I could come against God. And there's even scripture that talks about horrible thing for a sinner to fall into the hands of an angry God. Like he is angry against sin and against those who even commit it and to have that. Again, his solution is, well, let's get you into a person who's no longer the person who desires sin, but desires love. But when I look at that, there's to hey, you know what? Make friends quickly with God before you Mm. come to that judgment, you know? Yeah. And when we come quickly, what we find in God is that Jesus actually paid that for us, is that we can come quickly and we don't need to go through like, well, well, you know, that's good, but let's really play, play this thing out. Like, okay, you seem penitent. Instead of a life sentence, you get 20 plus parole, right? Jesus steps in and says, all of that sin I paid for, and just immediately brings us into that new relationship to walk in. So not that it doesn't have a practical aspect, but for me, when I'm looking at that too, I can kind of spiritualize it a little bit mm-hmm. and say, hey, all of us as humans had better recognize that we are on our way to a judgment day to where we will stand before the judge and you better make friends quick.
0: You know, they, they say that um, I like handling our anger, is such an important life skill. And it really is. It's important for us to learn how to handle that. That counselors say that 50% of the people they deal with are dealing with anger issues.
1: And the other 50% are liars. Right. You know <laughs> because they're dealing with anger
0: too. <laughs> uh, but it's so important. And I think when we ultimately look at this, there's even Jesus laying this pattern of like, hey, reconcile, give your anger to me, get rid of this, kind of get this thing out of your life um, as we get close to kind of wrapping up, unless you have more. If you
1: can tell me how to get rid of the anger and deal with it properly, please go ahead. Uh, I'm a student before your feet.
0: You know, the, the important thing is reconciliation. Go and make things right. But that reconciliation has to start here in your heart, and it has to start with God. If someone's wronged you and you haven't forgiven them and forgiven yourself with God and your relationship with God first, like, hey, God. I'm holding on to this anger and hate and I need you to forgive me of that sin. You're not going to be able to move forward and have that reconciliation conversation properly. I don't think. So the the thing we have to do, and it's so hard, right? But we have to give our anger to God. In every aspect of our life, God is telling us, surrender, give it to me. Let me take it. And just as much as I say, like me not fully being obedient to God and saying, I'm not going to give you all control of my life. Anger is a part of that control. I need to give that over to him and let him have that and reconcile with people. Uh, but there are proper ways to do it. I I, I think there are proper ways. So I'm going to give just like four basic rules that we can use to communicate. Uh, the first thing is be honest and speak. Uh, people can't read our minds. So when we speak, it has to be in truth and love. And I think the first thing we do need to do is be honest and say something to someone else. Like our, our illustration where you angered me, and it wasn't your intention. But then I had to turn around and be like, hey, this is why I responded that way. Because it was an attack against what I felt an attack against my character. Um, And
1: it depends on how you know people and how you can do that. Yeah. My wife and I will come to the point of just saying, hey, I don't know how to communicate this, so I need to let you know that this is an attack. I'm trying to work out what this is. Will you work this out Mm -hmm. with me? Because we're trying to get to reconciliation. So even if you can frame it, how you're saying speak truthfully and and to have that, to be able to sit with someone and say, hey, look, this might get kind of messy before we come to somewhere Because I need to work through with you what this anger is like so that we can come to a spot. And working through it with somebody kind of requires that will you see this through to the end kind of mentality.
0: And it's to be honest and speak. Mm-hmm. It, it, me and my wife are the same way. I, I, we like argue probably more than we have regular conversations. It feels like sometimes uh, we're two strong headed people with two strong headed opinions. And a lot of times in our earlier part of our marriage, it led to like bitterness and anger and resentment when we would get into like scuffles because we were just arguing. Uh, but then we turned it into we're going to argue and we know we're going to argue. But as long as we're arguing towards a solution. Right then we're just going to keep working it out. We're going to just keep ramming like two bulls until like we sit there and be like, oh, here's here's, a, here's the answer. Again,
1: it, side note, put that towards God. I don't think that God is scared for you to argue with him towards a solution. Right. If you're just coming angry with God and you don't want to work towards a solution, you're in the wrong. If you're coming like, God, I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. What is this about? Can you give me understanding? Can we seek towards it? Uh, yeah, pretty good chance there.
0: Yeah. The second thing is this uh, stay current. Uh, so we got to allow ourselves uh, not to allow what's bothering us to build up until we lose control. And it's important to deal with what's bothering bothering us before it reaches like critical mass. So yes. like I, I think during most arguments, most people like when they're communicating how they feel, start going. But then you also did this back then. They bring out the laundry list of what they've been holding on to instead of like.
1: Like, bro, you can't remember anything and you're bringing up what I did four years <laughs> <Yes>. ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, And uh, again, attack the problem, not the person. We've said this a few times, but I think that's so important to when we're dealing with anger is attack the problem, not the person, because the person isn't the problem. You're right. You nailed my driving anger issues on the head. It's not the person I think is stupid. It's the action that was done that was stupid. Um, But that doesn't mean that the person is stupid. And I really got to stop saying stupid. Um,
1: Well. I'm going to take this again. I know I'm I'm kind of (laughs) flip-flopping around everywhere, but as parents, it's kind of that thing when we're looking to our children, right? Is that especially when it comes to punishment and anger and everything, you did something. My issue isn't like, oh no, you are a horrible being that exists in the world. It's what can I do that can adequately teach you and show you that this isn't the right thing for now or forever, that you need to understand what the situation is so that when you are faced with this again, you won't make that same choice. Mm -hmm. And that's where sometimes the punishment and all the stuff when you're just punishing from anger or you're coming, like, what did that do? What was the end goal? What was the solution? The solution should be, hey, that was a danger to you. That was a stupid thing. That's not going to lead you in the right path, whatever the thing is. So... Here's how I need to instruct you to bring you to not repeating that in the future. Because definitely anger comes up and don't punish your kid right as soon as something happens because you're in the midst of your anger. Mm -hmm. And just, no, come at it logically in a way that will both teach the lesson now, if there's any consequence that needs to be given now, that will then help aid the, there's consequences to this. It might not have come naturally this quick. I'm going to shorten that down so you can see real consequence and here's some teaching so that you don't do it again in the future.
0: You even think about like God and the and what he did. The the problem that we have, like sin mm-hmm. is our problem. Um, but he doesn't attack us the person in our sin. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sin to attack the problem. Uh, so that's a good way to even look at it for ourselves is always and it, again, it's handling things the righteous way, God's way. Am I attacking the problem or the person? And God himself doesn't attack the person. He always addresses the problem within our lives. Uh, and the last thing is this, act, don't react. Uh, because of our fallen nature, our first impulse is often a sinful one. The time spent in counting to 10 should be used to reflect upon the godly way to respond. So like, just take some time and, and don't react to how you feel. So I've really been working on that one. I don't, I, my first tendency when I, someone would do something while I'm driving was always lay on that horn. Like I was a horn layer. And
1: and driving a Prius didn't stop that? You no.
0: weren't ashamed? <laughs> no, even because that horn doesn't even sound intimidating. <laughs> you know, it's not even, <laughs> it's not even aggressive. It's more like someone very annoyingly, like just hollering at you. Um, Is there a flock of <laughs> <laughs> But it, I'm learning to not react, to take the moment, take the breath. The other day, me and my wife, again we got into one of these like scuffles that we do and i was hot like something happened and i just got hot and i'm just like saying everything and i'm going like da, 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 and, don't you think this and, da, 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 and and she wasn't answering me and it got more and more frustrating that she wasn't answering me and then i was like well aren't you gonna say something and she was like i'm learning not to say things right away i'm learning to be slow to speak and, and slow to anger or whatever you know what the, that verse is and i was like oh, man, I'm a horrible husband, you know, because she then just checked me like that was checkmate in that argument. She won theoretically, but she was 100 percent right. You know how we respond to it instead of reacting quickly. Take time. Think about it before you go into like rage mode. Calm down to assess what really is going on internally and how can you handle it?
1: I think that that applies in both ways is that one in the moment, most definitely don't just go into the react. Take the time and choose to act. Don't be carried away in a react. But also 99.99% of our lives aren't those moments. Mm -hmm. So choose to act now, right? Do the self-introspective to look at why do I get angry? Who am I angry with? What are the things that cause anger in my life? Who do I think is an idiot? How does this thing blow up? How do I handle anger? How does all of that? Does anybody have anything against me that I need to go make it right? what oh, is my relationship before God? Because all of those things can happen right now. And the better that we get to know God, get to know ourselves, in the in the moment, we are far better prepared on how to handle that moment because we've done the groundwork beforehand. Mm-hmm. It's like we've learned the skill outside of the battle so that when we're in the battle, we're not like, wait, what's a sword? What am I supposed to do? You know, it's, right? Oh, OK, cool. I'm, I'm equipped. I understand that this is one of those things that that trigger me and i understand what i want to do and it's just so much easier when you understand yourself in a path that you could go or that you used to go or even if you start feeling yourself going down that path you go oh this is too familiar this isn't what i should be doing so choosing outside of the moment even i think both things in the moment and outside of
0: To wrap it all up, that again, I think I've said it a few times, but I want to nail this point home, is that anger is a serious thing that we need to address. And here Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount Mount, kind of starting off, and this is just the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) This is just the beginning. We're going next week into lust. We're going into divorce and uh, keeping your word and loving your enemies, prayer, making oaths, and Jesus is attacking everyone at the heart of the issue.
1: Well, he says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, right? I like how you said, love your enemies. I don't want to go, but they're a bunch of idiots. Right, there we <laughs> oh, go again. The <laughs> there's the anger.
0: There's uh, the anger. But it, it's just the tipping or the beginning of it all that where Jesus is coming from. But it's a, it's a definitely a heart issue with it. And I, I think I want to make that clear. And again, if you, there's someone out there that just you haven't reconciled with, pray, take the time. And get that reconciled with because there's so much beauty in this and there's so much beauty in reconciliation that you don't know what you're missing or what God's going to do from that moment.
1: God is a God of reconciliation and if we want to see him work, that's definitely one of his key areas. Life is too short. It really is. I think we were just talking about it in James. Life is a vapor. Like to hold on to any of this stuff when it comes to the end, none of it is worth it to hold on to bitterness, to hold on to anger, to to let that stuff fester. So, man, I just took that heavy at the end. Yeah, you know, we I did. blame you, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna blame Jesus. He was giving us direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I guess that's it. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. So uh, this has been another episode of Your Church Friends podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Rito. and we'll catch you guys next
2: time.